for our very first podcast, I wanted to invite my own mother to come on the podcast because really she is where I started. <laughs> and not only did I want to honor her, but since this is a podcast about mothers, I think it's really important for you to understand your host a little bit and understand her background <laughs> and how she came to even be interested in the topic of motherhood without actually being a mother herself, which is a question I get a lot. And so people are always surprised at why I'm so dedicated to mothers and their well being and their health and just their general mental sanity. Because it actually all stems from the love, the deep love that I have for my own mother. And also, as a person who would like to be a mother in the future, it is not difficult for me to think ahead on the difficulties that I may be able to experience. So, I really believe that one of my dharmas in life, one of my purposes in life, is actually to support. Mothers and their children. And to like really take you back to my origin story, I think is is a necessity. For the future podcast, I really did want to focus on how I can serve you and and attend to your needs. But for this one, I really felt like it was important for、um, me to kind of、uh, be vulnerable and Show you a little bit of behind the scenes of what Nahal is like so that you get to know your host and you get to、uh, really feel comfortable of who you're going on this journey with, knowing her background. And in fact, not only is the first episode going to be about my mom, the first four episodes are actually interviews of my family members, which is where I have the privilege of being able to see motherhood at a really Intimate level, and I'm deeply influenced by it. So, the purpose of the first four episodes are really to kind of like set the foundation of and bring you into my life and my family, and to share with with you all the people that I love the most and who have actually been through some really challenging times and have amazing things to share. I've invited them all so that I will share a piece of my heart with all of you, but also for you to see if there's anything from these first four interviews that you can really take time to look at your own families to see how did you learn about motherhood to begin with. And since I'll be interviewing my sister in law, my sister in law's sister, and my aunt, you'll get to see. Different angles of family members and how those relationships are built, bonded, how I even get to know the stories of motherhood. And hopefully, this will inspire you to ask your own family and your own mothers about their mothering experience and what they learned from it. Because I think really everything, if we are to understand what society is like as a family, I think we really do need to start within our own. So, I'm trying to set the example for you guys by exposing myself in front of my audience <laughs> and to really share deeply and intimately with you guys and not hold back of what motherhood looks like in my family 
from the different aspects and area points. And and of course, the best parts about interviewing your family is that you get to hear things that maybe other people would not be willing to tell you. So really, it's to actually offer like the most authentic shares about motherhood because these people are not gonna um, play with me, right? And they're, they have nothing to hide. They, they, they're not here to try to impress me. So you really get the raw, rawest form of what motherhood is like, which is really what this podcast is about, is to really share the most truest aspects of motherhood. So I really do hope you enjoy sharing with you my very own mama. I hope you guys enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Yoga Avik Ma's first ever episode on the yam podcast we are super excited to begin we've been wanting to start this for a really long time and the whole idea came from me doing around like 30 interviews with moms and all the moms were telling me that they were like most of the moms were telling me that they really wanted to hear um what the other moms had to say And then one of them also suggested um, that I start a YAM podcast. So really, I take your suggestions really seriously. So I'm like, okay, (laughs) here we are. So the YAM podcast is going to be about motherhood. It's going to be about finding your bliss. And what better way to start our first ever episode with my very own mama. Welcome to the YAM podcast. Thank you very much for you inviting me. (laughs) Are you excited to be here? Sure. <laughs> but okay, Mama, let's start with the basics. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? I think uh, better the audience knows about uh, the background I have. I have three children, which is two boys and one girl, which is Nahal is the last one. And I am in China. And I am teaching almost 28 years in China. Most, I am teaching English to the kindergarten. I, I am involved with the young kids. You know, uh, in the while I was teaching primary and sometimes middle school and uh, high school, but my favorite was uh, kindergarten. Nice. So whenever my friends and you guys get together, we all are together, like eating a meal or something like that. They always ask you guys, amazing questions, sometimes questions that I never end up asking. And I remember when we were in Singapore and we were sitting around the table having dinner and my roommates were asking you guys about your life. Like, why did you move to China and all these things? Or like, why did you go to Brazil? And I realized at that point that actually my parents are kind of like Indiana Jones, where you guys are so adventurous, like, and unless you're actually stepping out as your child and like looking, observing you guys as human beings, you don't really understand how actually crazy you guys are and how reckless almost and how much risk you guys take. So once your three children were born, maybe we could start there. What was one of the first crazy things you did as a family? I think the crazy things we did, uh, which, uh, for Nahal was only one year and the boys was three years and the other one is four years. They are two years apart. Uh, the crazy things we did, we sold everything in the Canada and we moved to Brazil. 
Amazon site. Mm -hmm. And why did you guys go there? What was the purpose? Because I want my kids to uh, get involved with different culture and with, with different nationality. And also any movement is good for their development. Movement as in like moving countries? Moving countries, moving anywhere. Yeah. So what happened when you got there? I have to tell you in the beginning when we were going, I was not ready to go because... Uh, uh, I had a big responsibility of three kids from the age of one to four. And, uh, but uh, for the unity of the family, I agreed to go. But in my heart, you know, as a mother, you have a sense of, they, they call it sixth sense or intuition. And uh, that was my feeling. I shouldn't take my kids to, you know, this trip totally. Mm -hmm. But uh, when we went there, we actually, our trip takes uh, almost only for 15 days. And Nahal got sick and we came back to Canada. How did Nahal get sick? I think we were taking her a shower and she started to drink some water. And the water was not clean there. And so what ended up happening? So I had diarrhea. Fever and everything, you know. That's why we from we find it nothing is working with you. Even we take you to the doctor, no medicine take you. Even for the fever I give, you vomit. That's why we decided to come back. Mm. So that was like actually like a really big decision that you guys made. Mm -hmm. Sure. To, to come back. Because when we come back, we start from zero. Start from zero, like total zero. And also, I should also say that we didn't have any money to also come back. <laughs> we didn't really have the money zero. to even come back. Zero. <laughs> zero. <laughs> we were actually negative. We became negative for a very long time because of that very trip. Sure. Because buying a ticket, an emergency ticket for five people in a household was actually costed like 1500 just to a ballpark. This is in the 19... 89s but thanks um, for credit card thanks <laughs> thankful for credit card exactly so i ended up surviving so what ended up happening the several years after that i remember one time naha was doing something in the bathroom and uh, <laughs> i uh i spanked him in the butt and she looked at me and she said you don't know how to handle kids and I went to the room and I talked with my husband and my I told him we have to update ourselves and this is this is different from the other boys. You know, any child when they are intelligent, more intelligent, of course, is difficult to handle. But not in difficult in the bad way, you know, difficult in the way you have to non-stop your mind has to work. You know, you are thinking you have three kids and maybe one method is working for three of them. No way. You know, you have to have three methods for each situation. That's why, because each individual, they are different. You know, we are thinking that in the children that has to be the same, but it's not. They are different. And actually, that was something that was only recently, I would say, with the last year 
where we learned what energy type I have and my brothers have. And the type that I had was one that was only like 8% of the population. So it wasn't also that you could consult with another mom or people around you who had the type of energy that I had. Not only that, but the type of energy that I have is one that is very masculine. So it's also rare for a female to have it. It was like in addition to that. So we actually, for the past year and a bit, have only just begun to unravel just how different I was and exactly how different of a parenthood I really required. And it just like was really helpful in helping to like understand myself. But for anyone out there listening, human design is an excellent tool for you to one, discover your your own self, but also of your children. And I think knowing what energy type your children have is going to really help guide you with how to like speak with them. So my older brother is a manifesting generator. There's a lot of energy there. Second brother, pure generator. And I am a manifester. A manifester does not have a lot of energy. However, they have like a rocket level energy where it's like they are explosive suddenly with their energy and and then suddenly they crash. So one thing, um, one of my favorite photos actually of me as a kid is me sleeping on kind of like a like a shelf on an empty shelf like and it actually has to do with my mom not being able to ever like put me down for a nap but then suddenly when I'm playing when I, I get suddenly really tired and then I'll crash standing sleeping so yeah the photo is of me standing sleeping and my head is on an empty shelf just to like lay my head down <laughs> so yeah like it's it's kind of crazy, but okay. So tell me what you told your mother once you had a daughter. I told to my mother I had two boys. I didn't notice at all. And now usually they said the boys is more difficult, but now I have a girl. Uh, it's bomb, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and my mother just sent me this time it was a letter to send to each other and he said just in one sentence write to me just like you so you you basically didn't have the support of your <laughs> your own mother <laughs> okay so tell me a little bit about the beginnings of how you came to china and what that process was like the first i think because of the situation of brazil I came myself to China for three months and leave the kids uh, in the hand of my husband. Which it was the first time. And also for myself to get separated from the kids was the first time. Uh, my kids never been with the babysitter or usually they start uh, going to kindergarten when they were age of five not younger than that because I don't believe the kids before the age of five, they have to uh, other person or other things involved for their education. It was very difficult for me to leave them. But anyway, uh, there was a reason to come. I came by myself to here and investigate. And imagine 1993, China was totally different. Mm -hmm. And but still, I find it this is a safe place and this is the educational place for my kids to come. 
That's why I went back to Canada and it takes one year to prepare everything and to sold everything. And we decided to come to China. So what was it like once you've arrived in China? Like what were some things that you didn't anticipate or you was just like unexpected bringing three children over to China? Uh, there was actually, there was nothing you know, because I was here, the same city, the same place, and uh, I was familiar with the food, I was familiar with the air and uh, people, some some people around. There was nothing special, I don't remember, 20 years, uh, 28 years ago. So why was it that you decided to put your children in a local school rather than an international school? Because I came to China, that's what they mix up with their culture. And if they were in the international school, it's totally different than to be with the kids, to be with their culture, to be with their education. And I felt is a benefit for them. And also, I really want they learn the language. If international school, I don't think so. Any kids, they know the language as well as my kids. What was it like for your children to go to Chinese school from your perspective? It was not easy as, for example, when they went to the kindergarten in Canada, it was very easy, relaxing. But here they were in the school. And uh, here the kids, they start from the age of six to go to grade one. And Chinese language is very difficult and very challenging, you know. But uh, for two boys, I don't think so they had too much trouble because their age was uh, higher. But for Nahal, I find it not the academic was difficult, but to be uh, like a Chinese kids, you know, discipline uh, was not easy. That's why in the middle of the term, I took Nahal to the kindergarten. All three of us were actually put first in grade one in China. And then after the first half of the year, I was dropped down <laughs> to kindergarten. Can you just describe to people what the discipline actually meant in a Chinese local school? In Chinese school, when you are sitting, you have to put your hand in the back of your, in your back and hold it together. You know, that's why your hand shouldn't play with anything else. And uh, I don't know, Nahal was in the first row and find it out, okay, I cannot use my hand. She take off her shoes and play with the shoes. That's why they called me in the school and they said, you know, your child cannot sit. I said, what she is doing? They said, uh, she take off the shoes and play with the shoes. I said, okay, I think you know, I have to make some decision for, about that. That's why that was the reason I took Nahal to kindergarten because kindergarten must much freer and they shouldn't sit straight. It was at least there was more time for playing, which clearly I needed more time to play. You're welcome to also share any memories that you have of the boys too, of what their experience was like in, in school. Actually, they were doing good. You know, uh, my older son was nine years old, which entered to grade one. Uh, he could catch much faster, you know, and all his mark was 100-100, you know. But, uh, and, you know, in Chinese, they call him big brother. And uh, he felt very good, you know. I, I am somebody, 
you know, because in Canada, he was the youngest one in the class. That's why he didn't feel superior. But here mm -hmm. he felt, you know, he is somebody. My advice was uh, usually he is content with anything. <laughs> <laughs> he always talks about the second child syndrome where he's always neglected <laughs> because the first child and the third one just suck all the life force out of our parents. <laughs> I don't all know, the energy <laughs> all the energy that there's nothing left for him so tell tell us what was another time when the principal asked you to come to the school another time the principal asked me to come to school in which Nahal was already start grade one I had a very good friend which uh, this uh, good friend had a daughter and this daughter has a difficulty to hear it Sometimes the teacher even, uh, unfortunately, the teacher was calling her deaf, you know, something like that. And that's what the kids, they learn this word. Uh, some kids, they were playing in the playground and my daughter was there. And some other student, they call Nahal's friend uh, deaf. And Nahal couldn't tolerate and start to beat them. That's why the principal called me and said uh, i said what is the problem uh, he said oh, she beat somebody i said do you know the reason they said no i said can you call nahal to come to the office and explain for that when nahal explained i find it i am very proud of my daughter to defend her friend and when nahal went out i asked the principal what do you think do you think nahal did a bad job and they couldn't answer because I, I was that time sure they said uh, it was okay, you know. That was the, one of the experience. So I remember that this slightly differently because you needed an interpreter to understand what the principal was there. So I was there the whole time. <laughs> But I remember being so happy <laughs> that I did not get in trouble for beating someone up. I was like, my mom's a gangster. Like my mom is like, you know, like maybe she's a little different. She's okay with me like beating other people up. Of course I was, I only beat people up when my friends were being bullied. So I was actually an occasional bully, but I never prompted it. Like I was never the one just starting a fight. It was always in defense of someone else. But yeah, I always thought that that, that incident really like was so impactful for me as a child to be like how important justice was and defending your friends, even when you could potentially be in trouble. serious trouble for it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember being like, my mom's a gangster. Like, she's okay with me beating other people up. It didn't lead to me beating other people up, but it did make me think that, oh, my mom's a little different. She's she's not going to get mad at me if I if I do something that I think is correct. That's why, because of this one, I asked you to go out. That's why after that, I talked with the principal. What do you think? But later on, I remember that you distinctly held my hand and you walked out of the office like in anger, almost being like, well, then if she, um, if she, yeah, if she was defending, then why are you putting Funny. her in trouble for it? Yeah, 
Exactly. So I remember going home that 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 walk, that walk of shame, going home and feeling like I should have been in a lot of trouble. But then I remember you talking to me and being like, don't ever let anyone else bully your friends. Like if you're in a position of defending them, always do it. So, yeah. Tell us about when we were like teenagers. How was that as a mother for you? Teenager time, I don't think so. I had a problem with the boys. But <laughs> I don't remember really. But I had a trouble with Nahal, you know, Nahal explained, you know, this energy has to release somehow different way, you know. But uh, it was not a bad way. But, you know, as a parents, you have to manage, you know, what they are doing, what, where they are going, who they are going, you know, this is all important. So what were some things that you were worried about? I think most it was about boy and girl, you know, something like that. Yeah. Well, what was it like about the boys? I don't, I didn't want you, uh, these things get in trouble, you know, between the two. I remember one time it was one of my brother's like classmates. I really liked him. And apparently he liked me. I didn't know this before. Um, and he liked me too. And then I was about to go out to an internet cafe then, which was basically like the way people would hook up there is like basically just go to like a date of a teen in that era was going to an internet cafe and like playing CS Counter-Strike. Like that was like a date. That was like my first ever date. And I remember I was really nervous going because it was the first time that I actually lied to my mom. Like I've never actually still to this day, I don't have it in me. It was just never a thing in me to lie to my parents, probably <laughs> to my detriment. I'm just like very forthright with them. But this time, because I really wanted to go out with this boy, I was lying. But like at the same time, I like couldn't make it out the door without like just letting my mom know what was happening and literally the door was like in my face like I was half my face was covered by the door I was like half of my body was outside of the door and the other half was inside and then I turned to my mom and I said I'm lying to you I'm going to go see a boy but I want you to know I still want you to let me go because I'm I wanted it so bad that I was even willing to lie to you. So please know how important this is to me and let me go. And then she, she let me go. <laughs> but I think that was the last time. Like then there was no other follow-ups, which was okay. So that was teen years. So yeah. How do you think Nahal shaped you as like a mother? As like, do you think your first two children were just like not as impactful as shaping your motherhood as Nahal was like, or like when you think about motherhood, are you just thinking of Nahal? <laughs> no, usually any difficulty, you know, shape you up. And the, the boys was easier, obedience, you know, and, uh, but it was, it was uh, very interesting because, you know, sometimes your life is get very easy and there is no progress of your uh, God give you a challenge to progress, which is your kids. And that is also nice because you learn a lot. That's why now when I am teaching in the kindergarten, 
uh, I, I know how to handle the difficult kids. So I shaped you up real good to be a teacher. <laughs> Actually, when I was like thinking of preparing for this interview, it kind of clicked to me. Yoga always talks about how you choose your parents based off of the life experience that you want to have in this world, in this lifetime. And what the parents that you choose and even the gender that you choose, all of it is related to your purpose and what you want to do in this life. And that story that my mom shared with me in the toilet of like just splashing around in the toilet and then her like um, disciplining me. And then I turned to her and I said, you don't know how to handle children. It just dawned on me yesterday as I was like thinking about this interview, how that moment was really the moment where it actually shaped both me and her and actually was like a pivotal moment where like showed both of our purposes at the same time. Because not only at that moment did I, for the, at least our, in our memory, the, for the first time say basically my disgruntled thoughts about parents and how they parent, but also at the same time, you realized you went in the other room and you told uh, my dad that, oh, I need to switch up my ways. And that kind of began began the journey of you seeking other ways of how to teach other people, other children, and also just how to re learn how to reparent. And so it, it dawned on me the other day that just that moment was like almost a spark of both of us getting put into place. So actually with this yogic thought is also comes with the fact that not only is it for the soul that's coming into the family, but also the gender and the child is also there to progress the parent's soul. So essentially, my me being difficult as a child actually set my mom's career for 28 years to be like a kindergarten teacher. And so not that I want to like um, take credit for everything that you did and all these things, but it was just like one of those moments where it was really why we are in each other's lives how we are in each other's lives. It just kind of clicked why we're in each other's lives, essentially. Like why I am your daughter and you are my mother. That moment, that story was really like one that kind of like showed both of us like how to be in the world. So what has been the most rewarding about being a mother? Rewarding when you see your kids, they are in the right path, you know, that is a rewarding. So do you think Nahal is in the right path? Of course. Why not? Really? Do you think you always thought Nahal was on the right path? <laughs> yes. <laughs> really? Do you yeah. want to maybe tell the audience how you felt when I started doing yoga or getting serious about yoga? Uh, in the beginning, I didn't like because I didn't know too much about yoga, and but uh, now it's become normal for me. What do you think I have talked about about yoga that has impacted you the most, or that you like the most? I think changing the uh, physical and the spiritual of the people. Yeah. Mm. 
Was there ever a moment in time when you felt like you couldn't go on anymore? Like you couldn't continue as your... There was a period of time when you are physically tired, non-stop running, non-stop thinking, non-stop, you know, it's, it doesn't last long. What was the thing that like carried you forward or like helped you to like overcome it? You cannot give up, you know, because you have a big responsibility, you know, if you decided to have a child, you know, uh, your responsibility start. I remember before I become pregnant, I and my husband, we sit down and talk. Do we want to have our kids? And of course, we said we want. But one thing is we don't want something we cannot do that because of them. You know? Like stop you guys from doing something yes. just because but, you have children. Yes. That's why we did it everything together. Anything, you know, attend the conference, attend the meeting, you know, traveling, everything. We did it together. It was much easier. So one thing that has come up often in the interviews with the mothers has been about their intuition of whether or not they can actually trust what they know to be true. And I find that you have a lot of trust um, with what you know and how you know it. So if you were to give another mother an advice about this, what would you, how would you tell them to like, listen to their own voice i think sometimes listen to your voice and sometimes you go and read book and you listen and you look experience of the people you know all these things can help you i remember even uh, i was just a teenager when i was looking a mother is handling the kids in different way from that time, I start to realize if I was in that situation, what can I do? And this was helping me a lot to develop my uh, understanding about child. And after that, even when I have my own kids, also I was watching the other parents, how they handle the dif different way. And I realized I uh, realize or analyze myself how to do it. This helped me a lot, of course, reading a book and experience. And I don't remember I talk with somebody or consult because nobody knows your kids better than you. It must have been really difficult um, to raise me as a child. Like even though now you can see in hindsight that it was so helpful for your job and your work and like learning how to deal with difficult children but at the time when you were handling it it was not easy right and it was like uncomfortable mm -hmm. and then you were like of course because motherhood is not enjoyable and that was kind of like like an idea that really sparked in my mind that it was like i really wanted to actually not have that which is why i've spent so many years like looking at motherhood to see why are women mo mothers like miserable why are they miserable and can i prevent it like does it have to be a miserable process um is there something i can learn to uh avoid feeling so awful at the prospect of becoming a mother or like just having to accept that 
oh, motherhood is going to not be enjoyable. Like if that's the case, then why am I even entering into it? Because I think that's that's like irresponsible going into a parenthood thinking that you're like, you know, you're not going to enjoy it. I'm like, then what's the point? What's the point? Why would you embark on a journey which is going to take you like years? In fact, the rest of your life that you will always have this child, even if they're once they're out of your house, that that relationship is still there, but it's not enjoyable. Why? Why bother? Right. So how do you think having children has shaped you as a person? I think I mentioned before, when you have a difficulty up and down, usually shape you in different way, you know, but how they did it, which part of my personality change, I think patient, one of the things you learn, and you mentioned is uh, motherhood is not awful, is not enjoyable, but there is a, also a certain time is very enjoyable, you know. What were some of the enjoyable things about motherhood for you? When you see you are successful to educate your kids, mm-hmm. when they are successful in different things, that is enjoyable, you know. What does success mean to you for your children? Like what, what is success in your mind? Spiritually and academy, you know. So if they're in school, if they're still saying their prayers, if they're still like they have faith, they say the truth, they are kind, <laughs> they are helping other people, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to end with a beautiful piece by my mother. When I was younger, I would often go help my mom in her classrooms. And I was like, always like reluctant to go. It was not an enjoyable experience. It was either because I didn't want to stay at home or something like that. But this one time when I went, I remember just like really watching her as like an observer and not as her daughter and being like, oh, wow, she's actually like a really good teacher. And she shared this story. She told the story to the kids and the kids were so into it. And I was so into it. I was watching like I've never listened to her tell a story before in my life. I was just like just as excited as the kids were. And I really wanted to end this podcast with actually my mother reading my favorite childhood story and my favorite story that she reads to her students as well. It's called, Are You My Mother? Sounds good, Mama. You can take it away. Okay. A mother bird sat on her egg. Oh, oh, said the mother bird, my baby will will be here and he will want to eat. From this time, mother responsibility start. (laughs) (laughs) I must get something for my baby bird to eat. And so he flew away. The egg jump and jump and jump and jump. And the baby bird come out. And the baby bird said, where is my mother? He looked here, up, down, everywhere. And he decided to go away and look for the mother. But he couldn't fly and went down and down and down, was long away. Boom! The baby bird could not fly 
and he start to walk and walk and walk and go and go and go and look at the kitten. The kitten just look and look and the bird asks, are you my mother? The kitten look and said, no, I am not your mother. And the little bird went and went and look at the hen and asked the hen, are you my mother? The hen answered, no. And he start to walk and walk and see the tail here. And went closer and closer and closer and look at the dog. Are you my mother? And the dog answered, no, I am not your mother. The kitten was not the mother. The hen was not the mother. The dog was not mother. And look at the cow here. Are you my mother? And the cow answered, no, I am not your mother. And the little bird said, hmm, where is my mother? And start to go and go and go and see a car. And are you my mother? Hmm, no, I am not your mother. Went farther and look at the boat and said, are you my mother? And the boat goes and goes and goes. Oh, I find my mother, aeroplane. And are you my mother? Go, go, go. No, this is not mother, my mother. And look for it big machine here are you my mother and this making noise no 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 i am not your mother and goes up and up and up and up and the little bird shouted are you my mother and suddenly this one put him in the nest and after that look who is coming here the mother is here with the food are you my mother of course i am your mother both of them they eat and they hug each other and sleep this is the end of our story. I love the story. Thank you for being our, our first guest on the Yam podcast. And thank you for sharing that beautiful story with everyone. And the third thank you for contributing the most number of meditations on the Bicentenary Meditation Project. She recorded over 40 different meditations in Farsi by far we don't have the final statistics but i'm pretty sure she is the most if not the most the second most but i'm pretty sure she's the most so thank you for sharing that mama and being on the show 
you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. And I could also learn. Yeah. For my grandchildren. <laughs> How to mother your grandchildren. That's true. I think one of my favorite quotes uh, from the movie Moana is when she just hurt her foot. She just came off the reef and hurt her foot and her grandmother caught her. And she said, are you going to tell dad? And she turned to her and, and said, basically, I don't have to tell him anything. I'm his mother. And so the beautiful thing about mothers is that we have to obey them and we need to listen, but they don't have to do anything for us like <laughs> that they don't want to yeah so thank you mama for joining you're welcome us. thank you very much hi everyone we hope that you enjoyed this episode we did want to let you know that for each of our episodes we actually have a blog where we link up any of the important links of the topics that we talked about like the bicentenary meditation project or human design and we're going to link some links where you can find your human design there we also wanted to let you know that the human design is something that Yoga Avic Ma offers as a service if you would like to like go deeper into understanding what your human design is. So do feel free to book an appointment on our website at www.yogaavicma.com forward slash yam podcast. But it will be forward slash bookings if you would like to make a booking for the human design reading or just like a general integrative yoga therapy session. We did want to let you know that we do not post publicly the full video. So if you would like to access the full video version of episode one, it will be within the Yoga Avic One membership portal. If you would like to see a peep of what our guest looks like, you'll see a clip on YouTube or on our Instagram account at Yoga Avic Moi. The same is for our YouTube channel. And we really hope you enjoy this episode and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Bye.